Well, it's good to be back. Um, we've been in, in uh, Santiago, Spain, or right outside of, for the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, when you come back, this has really been a wrestling week for me with the message. And uh, for you that know me well, you know when I wrestle, it's usually, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. I, you know, anybody can get up and say anything. I don't want to get up and say anything. I want to get up and say the message the Lord has for us. And so um, today I, I've wrestled this week. I really have. Let, let me get something out of the way. I'm wearing glasses and I have facial hair, okay? Let, let me get that out of the way. Uh, because here, here's, here's the reason, not that you have a purpose, but, but somebody's going to say, hey, do you know Mark was wearing glasses? Um, uh, it, it really, it's that new face app that makes you grow old, and that's what it, <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, no, uh, they, they've said I got a cataract, and so I got to quit wearing my contacts until they get that fixed. So eventually that's going to happen. Facial hair, it's from spending 10 days with 12 people with one bathroom, and you've got limited time, so I figured I'd rather use my time elsewhere than to shave. And it used to be red, and now it's white, so uh, time has has changed, that's for sure. But we uh, we have been in, in Spain, like I say, uh, there was a team of seven of us that went from Central. The team was a little bit bigger when we got there. I want to show you a couple of pictures just so that I can help you understand a little bit. Uh, first picture is just kind of a, a, a symbolic picture more than anything. We were in uh, the northern part of Spain in a, in, a, in a community, a village called Lagonde, which was about uh, 90 kilometers outside of Santiago in the Galician area of Spain. It's on the uh, Camino de Santiago, if you're familiar with that, the Camino of St. James. It's an old pilgrimage route that still many people are on today. Most of them aren't on a spiritual quest anymore. It's more of a just hiking it to see that you can do it. It begins in St. Jean, France, southern part of France, goes across northern Spain. And uh, we were serving at a hostel or an alberque uh, there in Spain. It's owned by Campus Crusade for Christ, the Spanish arm, which is called Agape. And uh, our role there was for the week, our team of seven and a few others that were with us, our role during that week was just to love on people, encourage people, take care of people, and have spiritual conversations. That's what we were to do. And if you can get a picture of that, there would be three to 500 people per day that would come right by us. And uh, we, we could house uh, seven. We had eight one night. And uh, to sleep there, it's first come, first serve. But we'd had a big old family communal meal, show the Jesus film, just have a great time with these people. Go ahead and go to the next picture. This will kind of give you a sight. This goes on all day long. People are coming by. Uh, this is the Bucky's of the Camino, man. I mean, we had the cleanest bathrooms. That little house, it's, it's just the, uh, the one house, not the big white one, but it's that one in the corner. It's 400 years old. It was a barn originally, and they transformed it, and uh, kind of interesting. But people would come by all day long. The little rock along the light pole there, that rock on the floor says free hugs in different languages. So that was always fun. And uh, But we would come and carry on spiritual conversations, get to know people. We had people from over 68 countries that we met. They would come in, get a stamp in their little passport, and pinpoint where they're from. And we had 68 countries at least of people that we talked to. You're talking about this is a world mission opportunity. 
Uh, go to the next one. This is a picture of Vicki uh, uh, just praying with some of the pilgrims. We would be able to carry on conversations. They were more open for prayer. We talked more about Jesus in one week than we would in a year. Every conversation would, would uh, be able to bring this up, and so we were able to do that. Uh, go ahead and go to the next picture. This is our team. Uh, you, you know the George and Pam Lee, Pam and I. Uh, Sean is kneeling down. Vicky is right behind him, the Hoods, and then uh, Jim Rowan. And then uh, the other guy kneeling on the, on the ground here, his name is Pepe. And Pepe uh, is very vital. He speaks Spanish, doesn't speak English. So that was a great part of the team. We also had a girl from Germany with us, and so that was uh, really good. Uh, next picture, uh, this is the cathedral in Santiago, which legend has it that the bones of the Apostle James are in the sepulcher there. You can actually go into it. They're renovating on the inside, but you can still go in, go down to the sepulcher, see the chest, uh, and the plaza out in front of the cathedral, uh, that's where the pilgrims come in. Imagine that you have been on a walk for six weeks. And all of a sudden, you come into there. It's very emotional. Uh, there would be uh, tears. There would be a lot of singing, a lot of joy. And uh, this would happen way into the, into the night, in fact. But it's that the cathedral is where they're coming to. And back in the days of the pilgrimage, you can imagine somebody's on a spiritual pilgrimage. They finally get there, and it's an overwhelming thing. And then the last picture I want to show you right quick is a picture of uh, uh, these uh, um, pillars have a uh, scallop shell on them, and they have an arrow so that all along the Camino for the 500 miles, in fact, out of Santiago to Terrafinas, which is the end of the world, they, uh, they, you will see these along the path. They're always pointing you in the direction you should go. And uh, there are so many spiritual analogies in, in this that uh, will blow your mind. And, and just up front, in a moment, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, but, but up front, people wonder, Mark, what was your takeaway um, quickly? And uh, my takeaway, number one, is this, is that Jesus is not American. In American churches, we have made Jesus an American, and he is not an American. There are people in love with Jesus all over this planet, and they are desperately hungry for him and seeking him, and I'm, I'm afraid sometimes we've offered them an American Jesus. And that was something I needed to repent of. The second takeaway for me is we are part of something huge. As a, I mean, I'm just thinking in one week to carry on spiritual conversations with people from 68 different countries, from China, from Japan, from Korea, from Africa, from Canada, from South America, from all over Europe. People were there. And it just reminded me that the body of Christ is so much bigger and the commission that God has given us is bigger than what we experience. And it's huge. The third takeaway for me is this, is that life is full of divine appointments. When we met with people ongoing every day, you didn't have a script. You didn't, uh, you didn't say, oh, I don't know if I want to talk to that person. You were just thrust into humanity. And so you just start talking to people. And you, you would visit with them about their life and how, why are you in the Camino and why are you doing what you're doing. And uh, the thing that was interesting is we would pray every day, God, show me the nudges, the divine appointments that you have for me. 
And we would be very sensitive, and everybody on our team would say they had a divine encounter with someone that they talked to during the course of that day. And I'm just reminded that divine encounters happen every day right here in town. We want to see them across the other side of the world when God has a divine encounter with your neighbor, with somebody you work with, somebody you bump into at the store, but it seems to we, we drown those nudges out. But I want to, I want to, before I open God's word, I, I want to just share with you a thought that God gave me that is very penetrating for me, even as we open God's word today. We used to have two dogs, uh, Lady and Buddy. Lady was Pam's dog, Cocker Spaniel, right out of Lady and the Tramp. I mean, this was, this was uh, her pride and joy, Lady. Lady was a sweet dog, and, uh, and we just loved Lady to death. Buddy came along. Buddy was my dog. Buddy was a beagle. He was high energy. He, uh, he, you know, just the way beagles are, hound dog. He was my evangelistic dog. You had to walk every day, and he never met a stranger, so it put me in a position that I had to talk to everybody. And so I always appreciated Buddy for that. But Buddy uh, was younger than Lady, and Lady got uh, older. She was a few years older. And what happened with Lady is she lost her hearing. And uh, she wasn't in pain or anything, but she just lost her hearing. And uh, it was sad. You, you know, she, you'd call her and she wouldn't hear it, the, these kind of things. And so what she would learn to do, though, is she learned to see Buddy. And she would watch Buddy. So whenever Buddy would get up, something's, somebody's at the door, she would get up. When, uh, when it was time to eat, Buddy would get up, she would get up. I mean, she was watching Buddy the whole time to see what he would do. Here's the point of where the Lord spoke to me in this. The world is watching us as Christ followers. They have their eye on us. The deal is, what are they seeing? Are they truly seeing something worth following? Or are they just thinking they're just like me, they just go to church and I don't? The Lord showed me that I better have a dynamic life that's different by His Spirit. If not, the world is not going to take notice. But they are watching us. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 9. And I just want to share with you some thoughts. And, um, and it goes with the Camino. On the Camino, everybody says this, Bien Camino. Good way. Have a good good trip, basically. Or blessings on the way. Bien Camino. That's what they say. You know, we are all on a journey of life. Some of you are farther along. Some of you are at smooth part of your walking. Others of you are at a very rough area. You cannot figure it out right now. But we are all on a journey of life. Seven billion people are on a journey. Everybody's looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for true life. They're seeking more. Is there more than what is here? And uh, I'm reminded there was a lady by the name of Jenny from Scotland who was... Uh, who was sitting around the table. It was really kind of weird. One night we're eating this communal meal and we're doing this game time afterwards. There's a guy from Japan here, from Sweden, from Chile, from uh, France, from Scotland. Jenny was from Scotland. And we were talking about why you enjoyed the Camino so much. Why did you enjoy Because this wasn't her first time. And she said this. She says, every time I'm on the Camino, 
It reminds me of what life was like before life beat me down. Can you identify? It made me feel like I felt before life beat me down. And I think there's many of us on the journey today, and life has beat us down, and it's time for us to get a fresh air from the Lord. And here's the deal about about this purpose. Let's let's look at Acts chapter nine just a minute. And here's going to be your title uh, that I want. This is the question I want to ask you, and I want you to hear it. What is your assignment? What is your assignment? It tells us in the book of Colossians chapter 1, it says that we were created. So what is your assignment? And we'll try to look at this as we open God's word. Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 1, reading through verse 19, it says this. But Saul, this is the Saul that's going to eventually become a Paul. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Belonging to the way. This was an early title for followers of Jesus, because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the Camino. I am the way. And they were called followers of the way. And then in verse 3, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That persecuting me uh, would mean harassing, hindering, trying to thwart the movement of, why are you persecuting me? This is Jesus speaking to Saul in this this encounter on Damascus Road. Verse 5, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. I am the way whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told where or what you are to do. This is what your assignment You're to get up from here, Paul, and I have an assignment for life for you. And I would beg beg to say that all of you have an assignment from God in this room. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Ananias in the original language means this, one to whom God has graciously given, one who has received graciously from God. So this Ananias is going to have to give away this graciousness. It says, it goes on to say, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. Paul is seeking. He's hungry. He's wanting to know what's just happened. He's seeking if God is real. He is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Ananias was in a point 
of obedience. He said, here I am. Verse 13, though, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. God, I want to remind you of something right quick. This guy is killing people and you're wanting me to go to that. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Let me stop just a second. Paul's not the only chosen instrument of God. You are God's masterpiece. You are his chosen instrument as well. Because look at verse 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Whoever told you the Christian walk, the following of the way of Jesus is an easy road, please forgive them. Wouldn't you love to stand before Paul someday, who was an instrument of the suffering of God, and say, oh, wasn't, wasn't it just so easy? God had a purpose. Verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. This is a new direction. Baptism is I'm buried, my old life is buried. I'm following Christ. I'm going a new direction. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. I want to see us in this, if I could, for a few minutes. And I've got four areas that I believe all of us, some of us in this room may fit some of these categories. The first one is this. Some of us are actually hindering the move of Jesus. You know, Jesus got Paul's attention, blinded him. Why are you persecuting me? But I would venture to say some of us, and I throw me in that as well. Some of us are actually hindering Jesus. We're living for self instead of living for Him. We're not displaying the life of Christ. Our lives must be different. If the Holy Spirit of Christ indwells us, we should be different. There was a a guy by the name of Sean who I talked to on, on the Camino. Sean was a retired soldier from the UK. Sean from the UK. That's a great, great thing. But he, we're visiting, and he's probably, uh, you know, 40s, and um, we're talking. And he, I was asking him about his deployments. He'd been to Af- Iraq, he'd been to Afghanistan, he'd been to many different places, but now he is now stepped aside and retired. He's a, he's a single guy, and uh, just he's still living with his mom. And we had a great conversation. But hanging around Sean's neck was uh, these medallions. They were kind of either leather or wood that were hanging around his neck on a leather lanyard. And so I asked him, I said, uh, Sean, what are, what are those symbols on your, uh, on your necklace? And he said, well, he said, they're pre-Christian symbols. And I, I could tell they were ancient pagan symbols. He said, they're pre-Christian symbols and they're pagan. And, and uh, 
and these kind of things. He didn't even know really what they were. And uh, I said, uh, I said, you said pre-Christian. I said, what do you think about Jesus? And he said, you know, he said, I, I don't, I don't know what to think exactly. He said, I've, I've heard some good things, but he said, you know, he said, I really don't uh, buy into that or believe in anything. He said, he said, I, I think probably two thousand years from now, the world's going to say Luke Skywalker was the Messiah. That's what he said. And, you know, he was just being cultural. He, he was being relevant to our culture in what he believed. And uh, I, I said this to him. I said, just felt that nudge of the spirit. I said, Sean, I said, I don't believe you've rejected Jesus. I said, I think you've rejected those who claim to be followers of Jesus, but haven't given you a good picture. And he laughingly said, you know, you're right. There's many of us that are hindering the work of Christ instead of being a billboard to come to Christ. Here's, here's, another, here's another one. Some of us today are being instructed by God to rise up. You know, after, after Paul was blinded, the Lord said to him, rise up. Get up. Don't stay in this place anymore. There are some of you today, some of us in this room, that the Spirit of God is saying, it's time for you to rise up. You've sat by the side of the road too long. You haven't been used the way the assignment I have for you. It's time for you to rise up. But what there is this thought sometimes that, oh, you don't know I've been hurt. And I should be pitied for what I've gone through and all the woundings that I've gone through. And, I'm, and, and, and I, should be able, I should be able to just sit here in this. And I think the Spirit of God is saying, I understand what you're going through, but get up. Get up. It's time for you to rise up and move forward. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 60, said, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Rise up! Spirit of God is saying it, and you know it in your heart. You know you've gone to the side of the road because somebody hurt your feelings in the church. Somebody didn't, didn't affirm you or somebody didn't uh, affirm your gifts or what you did and these kind of things. Or, or you've been hurt so bad somewhere else and you've decided it's not worth it. And the Spirit of God is telling you today, rise up! It's time for you to rise up and see how people will come to you. And if you rise up, you must move from where you are, get your assignment, get to work. The summer is always interesting if you have children. Because they, they get into a routine of summer that you know you're going to have to break when the end of August comes around and school comes back up. You're going to have to go in there and you, it's going to be more than a snooze button. You're going to have to punch them. You're going to have to nudge them. You're going to have to do whatever you can to get them up. I believe the Spirit of God today is warning His bride. He's nudging us to rise up. Because we are being watched. And what are we showing? 
Rise up. Number three is this. Some of you have not walked in your assignment. Paul is told to go to Damascus and he's going to meet a guy named Ananias and he's going to go and the Lord is going to show him what he is to do. All of you, if you're a follower of Christ, you're his workmanship created for his glory. And he has an assignment for you. And many of us have forfeited that assignment. We've said this, others will do it. Others will step up and do it. Or we've come to this point. I've got life figured out. I have all my ducks in a row. I'm pretty comfortable with this life. Lord, if I take your assignment, you may mess up what I put together. Or we make excuses. I'm too young. Or I'm too old. Or I don't have the giftings. Or somebody else has those giftings. They should do that. I'll just pray. Pray is backbone of everything. We ought to all be praying. But you have an assignment to step up. And I know many of you are thinking, well, Mark, if God were to blind me and then somebody lay their hands on me, I think I would, I would hear the assignment. Did you know you were walking in darkness until the Spirit of God brought you into His glorious light? And so with that, He has an assignment for you. Well, Mark, tell me my assignment. I don't know exactly what it is for you. I, I know for me that, that the Lord has even burdened my heart more with those things He has called of me. But that's my assignment. God has an assignment for you. Maybe it's uh, you, you work at Dell Computers and you spend most of your time there, most of your energy there, most of your mental bandwidth there. Why would God not give you then an assignment for His ministry? Or you work for Apple. Or you work for the school system. Or you go to school. And you're with your classmates all. Why would God not use that as an assignment for His kingdom work? It's not to get you rich. It's so that He has brought glory for Himself. Or maybe you work for the city. Or you live in a particular area of the city. Or your neighborhood. Wherever, I'm just saying you have an assignment if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. But the thing that seems to hinder us the most is distractions. We are so distracted with so many things from the world. There was one morning, it was early, and uh, we were outside the Alberti there talking to some people that had come early. We hadn't even opened yet. And there were some guys... Uh, doing their bikes down the Camino. And they would come right where we were situated. You could either go forward, which you wouldn't, which would bring you by us, and there would be a dead end down there, or the way the arrow pointed that you were to go that way, and so the arrow was there. However, because we were talking with some people, praying with them, encouraging them, these guys on the bikes were watching us instead of the arrow, and what happened is is they went and they missed it. We're having to yell at them, Hey, you got to come back. you got to take the turn. Because they were watching something else, they were distracted. I want you to know, some of us in this room are following distractions today that are keeping us from our assignment. And we're wondering, why am I not full? Why am I not filled? Why do I not sense God's presence? We've chosen to take away other than what He wants. This is what I love about the loving grace of God. He doesn't beat me down. 
He has a way of guiding me back onto the path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. One more. Some of us today need to yield to God's Holy Spirit. It says that when Paul got to Damascus and Ananias, this this one who has been graciously received, is now graciously giving, he places his hands upon Paul, he prays, and Paul has an incredible transformation moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. God took his very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and inhabits every believer. But yet we so often don't yield to him. And many of you are here today and, and, and some of us need to surrender to self. We've got to realize what Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we have to understand that. We need to submit to God. We are trying to live out God-sized assignments on man-made power. And it's a joke. God has given us God-sized things, individuals and as a body here. And we must be totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. When was the last time God called you to do something that if he did not come through, you were going to look like a failure? Most of those things, we don't even attempt them because we think we're going to look like a failure. But God is saying, I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to enable you. That's what he said to those early uh, uh, disciples when they were to go up into the room. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will uh, uh, receive enablement when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But some of us today need to yield to God's Holy Spirit. Surrendering to self. God, have your way within me. You know, as I look at all this, and and, and there's a reason that I said some of us, because I see a bit of me in all four of these in what God needs to do in me. But I read something the other day that really disturbed me. In Acts chapter 24, Paul is got to the point where he is arrested. And Paul is arrested, and he, he said he's a Roman citizen. I, I want to go to Rome. And they bring him before a governor whose name is Felix. And Felix in the Scripture says this, But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off. The New Living says, Felix, who was familiar with the way, put them off. In other words, Paul knew that Felix was familiar with Jesus, but he was not a follower of Jesus. I'm afraid that many of us are familiar with Jesus, but we're not followers of Jesus. We look at the church today. We, we say, oh God, your church around the globe, Lord, we need to rise up. We are very familiar with your ways, but we can be so familiar that we sit down instead of following. That scared me. That was a warning to me.
Pam and I uh, went a, a few days early. We got to see our daughter Mandy. Uh, she flew over to uh, Spain. And so we got to go to Santiago. I showed you the cathedral and the plaza. That's where the finish line is. And Pam and I got there early. We got to walk around that whole area, know the area. And when you go into the plaza, there's some people weeping and singing and rejoicing because they made the end of the journey. And Pam and I were able to see that. And then on Sunday, we met the rest of the team. We took the bus out to Lagonde, where we were. And uh, it would happen several times during the day in our conversations. Lagonde was three days' hike out from Santiago. Some of them were exhausted and tired. And what Pam and I were able to say to them is, listen, we've seen the finish. We've seen the finish. And, and just encourage them. You can make it. You want to make it. You can be there. You know, on this journey of life, some of us are really beat down. Just like Jenny was saying about life, how it's beat you down. Many of you spiritually are beat down. Many of you, it just hasn't turned out the way you thought it would. But yet you're going to follow Jesus regardless. Let me tell you, Jesus has seen the finish line. He is at the finish line. The scriptures tell us about the finish line. And it is worth it to hang on. If I can just encourage you today, in whatever you're walking through, family fracture, health issues, money issues, just depression, hang on. There is a finish line. And it's glorious. This is where I've struggled this week. You don't know how bad in my heart I want a move of God. I am sick of families falling apart. I'm sick of people just walking away from the bride of Christ. I'm sick of addictions. I'm sick of cancers out of control. I'm sick of this stuff. I say, God, we need a move of you. Do you know what I've discovered in most of those issues? Not Actually, not in health issues, but in fracturing of families and, and, and people walking away and, and people becoming prodigals, what I've discovered is, is we're not willing to get broken before God. I was reading the Psalms the other day, and this is what it says. God is near to the brokenhearted. He is near to those who are crushed in spirit. And we're thinking, oh, man, that doesn't sound too good. God is near. That sounds real good. I just want to see God move. I really do. I, I mean, and somebody's saying, Mark, you're like a dog chasing a car. He doesn't know what it's like until he catches it. I just know God has done it before. And he will do it again. I want you to bow your heads with me. I tell you what, uh, elders and pastors and prayer teams, would you all come on to the front? I want to speak to your heart just real quick. Because I know... This is where I grieve. When I say amen, 
you're going to be thinking about lunch or going to the parking lot or whatever. And I think God is saying, come to me. Come to me. Arise. Receive the fullness of my Holy Spirit. Walk in that yieldingness of life. Are you willing to say, God, what's my assignment today? I'm here. I'm yielded. I'm open to you. Lord, show me. Is it my next door neighbors? Is it my workmates? Is it those that are along the journey with me? Lord, just show me. Just show me, Lord. Are you willing to ask that question today? You are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus. I have this incredible struggle in my spirit sometimes. Am I going to stand before God someday? I'm not really walked out what he intended. Are you willing to pray, Lord, break me? I've been waiting for everybody else to come around, but Lord, break me. Crush me. Draw near to me. I'm sick of this addiction. I'm sick of this walking away from you. I'm sick of of my family getting fractured. I'm sick of this. God, crush me. Crush me. Father, we need you. Spirit of the living God, hear our cries today. Lord, look at our hearts. Because we're looking for you, God. I don't know what the Spirit of God is saying to you today. Some of you may be thinking, oh, Mark came back from mission trip. He's all fired up. That's okay. I, I needed to wake up. There's some places in me that needed to get stoked. My eyes needed to open up to how much junk is happening. So in just a moment... Jay Flynn's going to lead us in, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Is that your heart cry today? Lord, I need you. Why don't you stand with me? If you need to get on your knees, that's fine. If you need to come to this altar, I'd encourage it. I'd like the movement to come this way instead of out of here. If you need prayer, you need the Lord's Supper, come on. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Maybe you don't know Christ today. You just need to talk to somebody. What does it mean to be a follower of the way? If this is what it's all about, I want to follow the one that is the answer. So you just come. Lord, speak to us now. Spirit of God, come. In Jesus' name.